This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com joins us. Mickey, thank you very much. Um, your Cowboys look really good. I mean, doing all the things right. Yet again, a game where the weather can get nuts. Buffalo can turn it over a lot, but I mean, it's it's that's why they play the game. How good is Buffalo despite seven and six? Yeah, you know, if I think if you look at it, uh, they've kind of hit their stride in these last couple of weeks. Uh, they've won two of their last three after losing three of their previous four, and the offense, you know, short of uh, struggling on the road against Kansas City, but they won the game. Uh, since Joe Brady has taken over as the offensive coordinator, uh, the other two games they scored 30 points. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I think they're dangerous. Uh, I think, you know, they're at home. And the fact that, you know, I kept seeing everybody making a big deal um, out of Josh Allen, you know, being intercepted 14 times, but he's run for 10 touchdowns. And these aren't little two and three yard runs. You know, they're calling quarterback draws. And uh, as, as Micah Parsons said, there's no sliding with him. He's going <laughs> to lower his shoulder and come into you, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, he said, he said, I, I think, he said, I don't know Josh Allen that much, but I see from afar, he's like that crazy frat guy. That, that everybody knew that wanted to go out and drink and would do anything possible, right? And so, yeah, I think they're a dangerous team, especially since they're um, they're sort of desperate right now. They're like in a six-way tie at seven and six with six five other teams in in the AFC for that last playoff spot. So you're going to get their best shot. You know, not only is it the Cowboys, but uh, they're somewhat desperate. So, yeah, I think this is a significant game uh, for them, and it'll be a tough one for the Cowboys. I mean, think about it. They've won five straight, winning six straight in the NFL. I don't care who you're playing uh, is a tough chore. Mickey, uh, have you steered clear of whatever is running through the star uh, and making everybody sick? Well, the good thing is there was no locker room today, <laughs> and yesterday I cut it short. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, they they didn't give me anything. But yeah, there's a little bit of illness going on, and it, you know they had to overcome it last week, and, uh, and then it struck again uh, this week. So, uh, whatever's going on, uh, you know, it's something you got to overcome. That's why you know I was pointing out last week how hard. Uh, you know, they had one four straight. They're going into the Philadelphia game. And winning streaks in the NFL are so difficult because the five straight now uh, is the longest active one along with San Francisco. That's it. And there's so many variables that go into the game. Number one, you know, kind of where are you playing? Are you playing at home? Are you playing on the road? Uh, are there injuries? Are there illnesses? As I was writing that, and then we find out that, uh, Mike McCarthy had to have the appendectomy. Um, you know, there's weather, there's, uh, you know, you get a, an officiating crew that's flag happy. There's just so many things that, uh, you know, can, can sideline your, your winning streak. Uh, and now it's at five. Can they get to six? And, you know, as we're looking at the weather, 
uh, in Buffalo, you know, it's probably going to rain, but it's going to rain on both teams, right? It's not like, you know, Buffalo's used to playing in the rain or they go out and practice in the rain. Uh, and, and not only rain, but it, there's wind. So uh, there's a lot of things to overcome to keep winning streaks going in the NFL. Mickey, what is the coldest you could ever remember while inside of a press box? Inside of a press box. Like, is there some old ratchety place you covered? Because you've been covering this since the 50s. Uh, and so, yeah, right. <laughs> so is there a place where even though you were inside of a press box, it was still kind of one of those old cranky stadiums that were like the windows were up or whatever? You have, it, it, I guess not. You don't sound like you have a memory that pops into your head. Yeah, no, I got one for sure. Okay. Uh, every time the Cowboys would play Philadelphia at the vet, and it was November on, uh, the, they, they, they segregated the home media from the away media. And in between was where the radio boxes were and the TV boxes. Well, in the away media press box, they had these big, like three big wide windows. Well, every year when it was cold, there was a, there was always a TV camera in that press box and they would take the window out, right? So the mm. camera could shoot the field. And I don't care if it was 30 degrees, 20 degrees, 10 degrees, that window was open and that window we'd be freezing in there, right? And people would shoot, be shooting daggers at the cameraman, his fault, right? But then when the game was over, the camera left, and they left the window open. So we would have to go, you know, searching for some place to win, to, to, to write, uh, because, you know, you can't wear gloves when you're typing. And, and so, yeah, that was always the worst ever, other than, one year I covered a game uh, in St. Louis way back in the day, and the auxiliary press box for football was the baseball press box that was open air. <laughs> I covered a game. I covered a game uh, uh, in December. It was middle of December, and when I went back to my car, my water pump in the car had frozen and busted. That's how cold it was. Jeez. And it was parked indoors. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, Mickey. Well, at least at the vet, you didn't get, like, dysentery or something because that place was a dump. Uh, well, it, it sort of was. And, <laughs> yeah. it was a hard, and it was a hard field that was even harder when it was 20 degrees, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mickey. So the Cowboy, like, everything has started to click. Uh, what would you say – is the thing though that they still need to shore up? Is it that that run defense that still, if if you can get on the front side of them and run the ball, you kind of take them out of what their strength is, which is just sending everybody at you uh, like the house is on fire. Well, you you better be pretty good at running the ball, right? Yeah. And then the other thing is you better not fall behind. And so, to me, the key to the Cowboys uh, defeating a team that wants a run. Uh, is getting a lead and make them play from behind. And, and that's why I'm a proponent for uh, if I win the toss, I want the ball. I want to get a lead. And, and I couldn't believe this last game that, you know, Philadelphia deferred. 
and said, no, we're going to defer. So the Cowboys get the ball, and I'm going, well, good, because they're going to drive right down the field and score, and you're going to be behind seven to nothing. And that's exactly what happened. The week before, the Cowboys won the toss against Seattle, and they took the ball, and they drove down. They should have scored a touchdown, but they settled for a field goal. So to me, one of the ways to stop to help your run defense is to get a lead. Now, uh, they take a blow this week and probably another week or so with Jonathan Hankins uh, suffering a high ankle sprain. He's not going to play, and he probably won't play next week. I mean, it's hard enough to come back from a high ankle sprain, and then you get a guy that's 325 pounds on a bad ankle. Uh, that doesn't work out so well. Uh, but, yeah, they got to do a better job against the run. Uh, but, you know, look what they did the last couple games. They, they, they somewhat shut down Seattle's running game, uh, and they held, what, Hurts to 30 yards rushing. Uh, so they did a pretty good job. But, again, they had the lead. So I think that's always the key. Uh, I think the other thing is the offensive line has to continue to play consistently uh, as they have over the majority of these last five or six weeks. And, and uh, if they can do that and do a better job of protecting Dak, uh, this offense is going to score. And I think they'll score wherever they're playing unless, you know, they're playing in snow or a rainy, windy day, then it's going to hurt both teams. Mickey, uh, obviously the Cowboys personnel department, Will McClay and all those, what they're doing is, is phenomenal. Uh, with Aubrey, uh, with, which is truly just out of body and out of mind good with what he's done. Because let's say normal kickers would have missed five, and who knows. But what he's doing is crazy. Ferguson, the tight end, they've had all these tight ends come and go, right? But they, there's yeah. certain positions the Cowboys just seem to hit on. What was his upside coming out of college? Did anyone expect him to be? He kind of, in a way, I'm not saying Gronk, I'm not overdoing it, but he has an ability to make plays and get something done when he catches the ball. So you're talking about Jake Ferguson, yes, right? Yes, the time. Um, yeah. So, okay, so what? He was, uh, I'm trying to remember the draft choice, third, fourth round pick, Somewhere something like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what they were looking for was more of a complete tight end. The guys that went before him were sort of receiving tight ends. Uh, and, and they felt like they needed a complete guy. More, you know, and I know everybody looks at Witten as a receiving tight end for all the passes he caught, but he was pretty decent blocking. And I thought last year the problems they had uh, were their tight ends just didn't block very well, and especially the year before that. Uh, so this guy's kind of a complete tight end, and, and you sort of have to be when you're at Wisconsin, right, because of how much they run run the ball. The tight end better be able to block. So I think he helped out there. And then just with a year experience, you see him uh, developing as, as a pretty sure-handed tight end uh, down the hash mark. I saw him the other day in practice, and, and he caught a pass, uh, and they were in red zone. And Dak threw it, and he caught it at the back of the end zone over his head, leaping, and kept his feet in bounds. So he's got some receiving skills. And the other part about it is uh, he's sort of hard-headed when he runs the ball. He's not going down. Uh, you know, you better be able to hit him and tackle him and get him down. Or he's going to run over you or jump over you. So, uh, And you know, he, his, his grandfather's Barry Alvarez. Uh, the former head coach at Wisconsin. Yeah. 
So he's, he probably had some pretty good coaching going on as he was growing up. Uh, so yeah, uh, he, he's a good one. And, you know, they, they did their homework on Aubrey, but they, they sort of got lucky. Uh, and I can't remember if I told you guys the story of this, but, uh, so, you know, as we know, he, he never kicked competitively. He was a soccer player, uh, and he didn't really kick competitively till these last two seasons in the USFL. Well, his second season at Birmingham, the special teams coach slash kicking coach was Chris Boniel. Huh. And you guys remember him as yep. the Cowboys kicker, and then he became the special teams coach for – I believe it was uh, four, three, four years. Uh, and so, um, you know, the Cowboys, uh, you know, they kind of caught wind of this guy and, and they kind of followed him. And uh, John Fossil actually went to watch him kick one of the games and kind of, you know, talked to him uh, after a game and said, Hey, you know, we got our eye on you and whatever. And so, they sign them. They bring them in. And, and David, the, fu- the funny story is uh, I'm basically uh, out of town, but I'm working. And they signed Aubrey July 6th. And it was like, oh, okay. They just found some guy to give Chris, uh, Tristan Vizcaino, uh some competition, right? And, and, and the next thing I know, I get a text message from Chris Bonio, and he goes, hey, you just signed my guy. Uh, Brandon Aubrey, good kid, just like that, right? So I call him, and uh, he's telling me how this kid has developed and how he's got great composure. And and I said, well, Chris, this the hard thing for the Cowboys this year is, you know, before Brett Maher went downhill in that playoff game during the regular season, he made ninety percent of his field goals. I said that's hard to find. And Bonio goes, well, my guy made 92%, just like that, right? (laughs) (laughs) And now he's made 100%. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, But you know what? You you get lucky finding a guy like that, but I thought they managed it well because they got rid of this guy, and they said, okay, this kid's talented. Let's just give him every opportunity here to show us that he's the guy. And I think that was a very wise decision. Uh, and then they realize he's got a strong leg, and as long as his mechanics are good, and they didn't mess with him, there was no kicking coach, right? And, uh, you know, and here's the rest of the story. He's 30 for 30 right now, and he might be, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the most valuable offensive players in the NFC right now. Mickey, thank you very much. Uh, we will be in touch about next week to get you on again, as we'll know about Buffalo and also what's going on as they head to the final few weeks of the NFL season. Mickey Spagnola with us, DallasCowboys.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.